The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey everybody, welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you so much for joining me on this Tuesday. And uh, of course, thank you for giving me the day off yesterday. I had a couple of projects that I needed to do. But uh, one of the things that I read on Deadline yesterday that I really wanted to to talk about uh, is a piece that was done by my friend Alan Lengel, who of course is the editor here at Deadline. And you may have missed, he was gone on Friday for the typical week that was. It's because he was in New York. Not just on a a normal sightseeing journey that you'd go to New York, but there's a traveling exhibit there uh, that takes a look at Auschwitz, of course, one of the most notorious concentration camps uh, of Nazi Germany and uh, in in the time. Alan uh, is joining me right now to talk about this piece because I think there's a lot of parallels that we need to talk about right now. Alan, welcome to the show. It's always a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, and, and let's just start with this because, you know, obviously you have your mother was held captive in Auschwitz. She was. And so obviously I don't, I've, I've been to the Holocaust Museum in D.C. I've, I've uh, been to the one here. Um, it's got to feel different, though, given, you know, when you see something like this, a place that's so directly connected to your family and your family story. Right. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've been to the different museums. I've been to Yad Vashem in uh, Jerusalem and the one in D.C., and they're all great museums. And, and this was just really... Uh, you know there were there were a lot of parallels to those uh, exhibits. I mean, it's a traveling exhibit, which which means that it takes that much more work to do something that's only temporary. But uh, it's a it's it's a it's a reminder. And you know, I mean, I grew up. My parents are Holocaust survivors, and I grew up with that. My block that I lived on in Oak Park, probably half the block out of twenty families were were Holocaust survivors. So I sort of grew up with that and uh so i was always aware of that i I think the one thing that i always and i still wonder to this day and i always want to do more reading on it and and i just haven't gotten around to really digging deep into it is like how hitler rose and how the people of germany sort of let it happen and how you know and some people out, out of fear didn't resist it and some people out of you know a lot of people embracing the idea of of scapegoating the Jews, saying, you know, the unemployment rate was high in in the early 30s. It was about 30% in Germany. And there were, you know, there were people wanted to make a living. And Hitler pointed to the Jews as saying they were controlling everything and we needed to do something about that. And they saw that as a solution to their their problems. And he he understood he was a master manipulator. He understood the gullibility of the masses. He understood how to manipulate them. And, and there's a the, quote. The quote. The quote that opens the piece, I think, is something that people need to see. Right. And, and the quote, it, it struck me as I was walking through the museum, and the quote says, the art of all truly great national leaders at all times consists in not dividing the attention of the people, but in concentrating it on a single foe. And so, you know, that jumped out at me. And, you know, we see, you know, the, the, the group, uh, you know, the group of four 
and 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 how how they're being attacked. And I don't agree with everything those guys, you know, that that, that group has said. Uh, but you know, disagreement doesn't mean that you have to get in the dirt. Sure. And 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 that's the problem is now Trump is taking this as a thing where he can try to he's he's looking for a foe particularly for 2020 and he hasn't been able to, you know what does he call Joe Biden sleepy joe yeah that's not catching sleepy on joe, it's wants, not right? catching on and you know there's too many people in the field to really hook on to anybody so he's hooked on to this but he's always has to have a foe for i think since the inception of his presidency it's been immigrants he was telling us that you know Mexicans are rapists uh, you know and and doing doing all these things to pick out people that are 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 not him are not his followers and it's it's just scary that we all know the the hatred the the violence that comes the genocides that have come it comes with the seed of hate and that hate grows and it grows not only because it's just one person but people jump on board and they it resonates with them and and i think we're seeing that at times where you know Hate crimes are, are, are up in the U.S. and anti-Semitic incidents are, are way up, and I think it's opened up the door for for hate to be okay. And it's like I think, regardless of, of whether you're a Trump supporter or not, I think the issue is 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 hate okay, and should we be embracing the hate that's being spread? Well, I, I, one of the one of the lines in your story that that caught my attention, and I think this is important because there's a number of people that will deny that this is something that's possible in this day and age, given where we've been as a, as a, as a world before. Right? Never again is is the mantra of, of the survivors. And and uh, but you look at this line, and I thought this was good. When I think of Germany. How one of the most cultured, progressive, and sophisticated nations in the world made a very wrong turn under the regime of a master manipulator. I can't ignore the dangerous rhetoric whipping up hatred in the United States. So one of the conversations that we seem to be having around this issue of whether or not what Trump is doing is like this. is Saying, well, it's not Hitler. But the techniques are very, very similar. Um, it, maybe the ultimate goal is different here. I'm not sure. But it certainly seems as if the political lessons of this have been learned and are being followed almost to the T. Right. I, th- I think the template has been has been laid down, and and you know Trump is just a master at uh, you know dealing with the masses, and you know and he plays to his his core, and and he he knows how to you know he knows how to move people in in, in the same way that we saw in, in Germany. I mean, you know the the quote that I read about Hitler that wasn't 1938. Already, when it, you know, when crazy, the world had gone just mad. It was 1925. I mean, we're talking about you know, and Hitler came into power in the you know in the, in, in the 30s, but uh, the seeds were there and the followers were there. There were plenty of people willing to jump on board and you know and, and say yes, the Jews are our enemy, and and it was it wasn't only the Jews. I mean, in the end, with the you know, it was the whole thing of the Aryan race, and so it was people. You know, it was even handicapped people were killed. I mean, they wanted a perfect race, and that's a danger. You know, and I mean, again, it's it regardless of whether or not it ever escalates to that level. You know, uh, with what we've going on here right now, just the concept of it at all, uh, using this to create a common enemy in some capacity is a scary development. I mean, and, and right. it's, it's been ramped up in recent weeks as the desperation increases there. Right. Um, and, and I mean, the, the similarities are there. Right. Uh, and from your perspective, again, as somebody who has lived with this, heard stories, talked to people, uh, know people that were there, again, your mother 
was a child when she was there, and then she was a up, teenage. She, she was a teenager. She ended up in a munitions yeah. factory, but right. she never saw her parents again after right. the, after her father got off the train. Right, and 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 she she described this many times where her parents got off the train and and her father had a beard, and one of the guards she said she saw the guard reach over and grab him by the beard and and just laugh. And, you know, you see the inhumanity there. And, and that's, that's the problem. When we start treating people, when we say Mexicans are rapists and, and this and that, we dehumanize. And when we dehumanize, we're able to do some really horrible things to people. It's like you see here, in, you know, it, during that, there's, there's a film at the uh, exhibit there in, in New York where it, you know, I can't remember if it was pictures or actually, you know, People holding up, but there was there were stacks of teeth that they had pulled out, and I think some some you know they were pulling them out of the corpses. Yeah, to get the gold out of the get the gold. Yeah, to get the gold out of the fillings. And I think to use some as false teeth, but uh, you know, I mean, that is you know, it's it's amazing. It's really just it's it's so mind boggling, and it and, and you know, and, and the name of the exhibit is uh, what is it? It says Auschwitz. Not long ago, not far away. And, and the issue is really, you know, this isn't that far away. I mean, look, I, I have a connection to it. Uh, it's not that far away, and, and we should remember that. And there's, there is another little passage at, at the exhibit. Oh, it says it's, it's impossible to understand the post-war world without an in-depth confrontation between our idea of mankind and the history of Auschwitz. The museum serves as a universal warning showing where racism, anti-Semitism, and ideologies based on hatred lead. In the world of rapid changes, the lessons of Auschwitz should be a warning, forcing us all to think about our active responsibility for the world we live in. And, you know, there's messages to these things. There are reminders to us that of, of the inhumanity of of, of people and it's not you know the the Jews weren't the only victims of genocide I mean we not. had the Armenians we had the you know Pol Pot regime we've had mass mass murders around and you know it's it's in the DNA of of mankind and you know it 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 doesn't change but it you know we we progress and, and the most disturbing thing is that I mean Germany was so sophisticated and such a cultured society and then to take a step backward into to barbaric proportion is just mind-boggling. But but again, you you attack the intellectuals uh, or or make their life very uncomfortable so that they decide to make a change, get out while they can, figure this stuff out. So any of the real resistance, the intellectual resistance to this type of thing, somebody who's actually going to tell people they're being manipulated, they end up going elsewhere or yeah. or they are silenced because they're 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 in fear. Well, Hitler, cultural revolution in China. The media. Uh, the or, media is Hitler attacked the media. He saw the media as a threat because the media could expose but eastern what elites he was about. become yeah. the enemy. Right. Um, and it's just it just expands. Anybody that's basically saying I'm a bad person clearly has some sort of nefarious motive and therefore, you know, we must oppose them at all at all sides. And right. and so, I mean, again, it, it seems to focus on anybody that might be able to put up any sort of organized and compassionate response. And and when we start getting into all the labels, you know, we, we talk the the label liberal becomes I mean it's equivalent to some people of the N word. Uh you know all the you know socialism, communism. It's, it's you know it's been used through society to really uh, go after people. 
Uh, and, you know, we, we have a constitution. I mean, look, this country has had its moments, and I, and I mentioned in there we had slavery. We had separate drinking fountains and, you know, hotels where, where black people couldn't, uh, you know, go in, in, in the South. Uh, internment camps, uh, Japanese internment, internment camps. camps Japanese. I mean, we have the capability of doing some really horrible things despite our Constitution, which talks about, you know, people being equal and people having rights and human rights. And I, and I think we have overridden that. And, and we see that sometimes now where we see a president who is trying to take away the checks and balances, who who is stepping. You know, so I, I think we mentioned this before, Preet Bharara, mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. attorney, the former U.S. attorney in, in Manhattan, and he was talking about, you know, Trump asked him to stay on. And then when Trump gave him a call after he got elected, called him directly, uh, he didn't return the call. He said he was fired within 22 hours. And he said, you know how many times I got a phone call from Barack Obama? He said, zero. He goes, the president isn't supposed to have direct contact like that. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, it's 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 dangerous and, and we need the checks and balances. And thankfully, you know, we have them or, you know, who knows where we would end up. Well, you know, and, and having conversations with people about this, they will often sit there and go, this is overblown, this concern, this is a ridiculous conversation. Right, right. You know, at what point do the parallels become too dangerous? Um, and, and uh, I mean, are we close to that in your mind? Well, you know, I, I mean, it's interesting. Albert Einstein in 1930 said about, I mean, Hitler was clearly, you know, an anti-Semite. He he was trying to rally people behind, you know, hatred of the Jews. And Albert Einstein, who was obviously Jewish, uh, made a statement. He said, look, this Hitler guy, he says, he's just basically a fad. He says he's going to go away. He's praying right now on, on the empty stomachs of the German people. He says once that gets corrected, he says he'll fade away. And so I always say, and this guy's a genius, you know. Uh, you know, so even, you know, the smartest people don't necessarily foresee what's going on, but I mean, we should, they're, they're a little bit, you know, when you, when you go on a date, uh, you know, there's little, you know, red flags and they say, well, okay, they said this or that I should be, you know, take note of that. And, and I, and I think there's red flags going up. I mean, we're, we're not where, you know, Germany was in 1938, but, you know, when when we hear a leader who's attacking people, who's attacking the media, trying to undermine stuff so that he can do whatever he wants without any, you know, the media is part of really, you know, beyond our, our, our various uh, government uh, checks and balances. The media is an added balance. And that was, you know, put in the Constitution as, as an important checks and balance in, of, of our government and here's a president who's done nothing but trying to attack and, and I'm not saying the media hasn't been sometimes unfair and the media hasn't been incorrect the media the good media has you know tried to correct when when they realize they're wrong uh, but the way the campaign that he's taken I mean it's 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 really beyond Nixon and, and Nixon was you know yeah a dangerous Guy and I mean, if you listen to some of the tapes that have been released to Nixon, I mean, Nixon was a racist. Nixon was an anti-Semite. Uh, you know, the difference is Trump doesn't hide anything. I mean, Nixon didn't have a Twitter account, and I don't think no, he, he had a tape recorder it. in his office. He had that, a tape uh, he recorder. Probably wishes he didn't. Yeah, and I mean, you listen to some of the conversations, and you're like, "There's a, there's a, it was an inner uh, a conversation with him and H.R. Uh, Haldeman, mm-hmm. is you know one of his confidants, and." And Nixon is talking about, he says, you notice 
how sneaky the Jews are. He goes, you know, we got the Rosenbergs, you know, the spies in the 50s. We got the, the Ellsberg, you know, who leaked the Pentagon papers. And he says, yeah, you notice how sneaky those Jews are. And, all, and, and, and then Nixon says, yeah, you notice he goes, the, the, you don't really see any Negro spies. And Haldeman says, yeah, well, they're not smart enough. And, you know, you listen to that, and it's like everything you suspected is true. But with, with Donald Trump, I mean, to his credit, he's, he's transparent. I mean, we kind of know where he's, you know, the question is, I, w- I was talking to somebody uh, about journalism and, and whether, you know, Trump's comments, you know, trying to draw a distinction between Trump's comments being racist and him being a racist. And, you know, the New York Times is, is, is refrained from calling him a racist, but has called those comments racist. And, you know, Kellyanne Conway's husband just basically said he's racist to the core. Which always makes me wonder, what's going on with that marriage? But well, that's a whole other thing. As I said on Friday when Nancy was on the air, I said, look, there are two possibilities here. He is a racist, or two, he's willing to uh, he's willing to basically take advantage of the racists out there to get what he wants on a short-term basis, right, both of right. which are despicable. Right. Well, you saw it, I mean, in the in the Virginia, you know, with, with the, yeah, the Nazi yeah. marching with the tiki torches and all that kind of stuff, where he was reluctant to criticize the... Nazis and said there's some good people there well I'm sorry anybody who's holding a tiki torch and saying the Jews will not replace us yeah. um, I, you have a hard time saying yeah well there's it's more some than good just guys. misguided you I mean you know yeah it's... you know what if that's your brother and your brother's you know being a jerk and he's doing that and you say well you know he's not the worst person in the world he's a jerk for doing that and I get that but you know the the Nazis that's a pretty serious it's a pretty serious thing here. Well, and, one thing, Alan, I learned uh, from from reading your piece too is that uh, Charles Ramsey, former police chief in, in Washington D.C., uh, African American, started making all of the officers that came to the employ in the, in D.C. Right. go to the D.C. Holocaust Museum uh, to get an idea of what, again, as you point out, that that sort of uh, when authority and power run amok, as, right. as you suggest, right. uh, and they're still doing it in Washington D.C. Right. to this day. Right. And, I went there, and it's, again, a profound impact, right? It's one of those things you're just like, whoa. Um, And you walk out of there shaken. You walk out of there a different person than when you walked in, if you soak it in the right way. Right. right. Uh, And I think most people probably do. Um, But, you know, you point out that the president's like, hey, great to be here with all my (laughs) friends. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, I don't know if he's just tone deaf when it comes to actually expressing any empathy for anybody, but... Or, or sympathy for any type of a situation, but he really right. struggles with that stuff. So yeah. maybe he well, doesn't. I think, I, I think there is. I mean, doesn't consider these things. The the core is really he is. I mean, he displays all the characteristics. Yeah. And I'm not a psychologist, but he he displays all the characteristics of a narcissist. And you know, narcissists have a hard time loving anyone beyond themselves. And and I think you can make an argument. He certainly loves himself, but beyond that, you know, you wonder. I mean, it's ironic. He's he he rails against the immigrants and he's married to an immigrant and he'd previously been married. His first wife was is an immigrant. And, you know, so you have that. And then you have his wife who is on an anti-bully campaign. So you wonder, like, what what the message they're trying to send to each other? Like, what can I do to show you how much I I have contempt for you? Well, I you know. What, what was your rationale for writing this today? I mean, what did you want it to come? What did you want to come across with this? You know, I, I wanted to be careful because you know, look, 
I you know I think it's clear we're we're not huge. Neither fan. of us are going to be working at the Trump. Yeah, you're right. We're not not, no, no. not not a huge fan, but I I wanted to because I do have some good friends who are 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 Trump people, and one of my relatives voted for Trump, uh, and so I I wanted to be careful that it wasn't this anti-Trump thing without trying to trying to say the hatred, the hatred that that came in Germany started at a slow bubble. It, it it built up. It was it was a seed. It was a movement. It, it it grew from a seed to a huge tree, to a forest, to a you know, uh, on and on. And it started with the seed of hatred. And 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 I worry what I see in this country, the hatred and how that's being played out. It's being played out in so many different ways. I see it rallies. It scares me when I see the rallies and people are are chanting, you know, send her back home, lock her up. All that kind of stuff. I mean, he's got people eating out of his hand. But th- does it concern you that he's doing all the same sort of stuff that you're warning about in this piece, but at the same time trying to wrap himself sort of in his love for Israel? Right. Uh, and, and almost as if that's somehow going to shield him from the comparisons that are out there because, well, I love the Jews and I love Israel, so therefore, you know— and and does that does he run the risk then of, of again, some of your friends, some of your relatives— Saying, looking past some of the other stuff because of that love for Israel, it well, seems you know, particularly look, dangerous little uh, twist here. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting in the you know, particularly in, in the Jewish Orthodox community. It's not it, there's certainly uh, there there are Democrats there, but there are people who who vote strictly along the lines of Israel. And look, you know, it's interesting. I mentioned Rashida Tlaib, who's you know who's part Palestinian, who's been critical of Israel, and. Look, if I, I, I'm supportive of Israel. I have relatives in Israel. Uh, my sister-in-law is Israeli. It's very uh, complex. Yeah, but I, I get it. If I were a Palestinian, I would not be happy. That is, is there oppression going on there? Yes. Uh, you know, are the Israelis oppressing? Yes. Are the Israelis concerned about security? Yes. I mean, there was a, there was a while where there were buses being blown up in Israel constantly. Well, if you put your kid on the bus to go to school... You want your kid coming home, and so uh, look. If if those things were happening here, we would take. You know, we would be bombing. If if Mexico was doing some of this stuff, we'd be bombing the hell out of Mexico. So, but I do believe you know the Palestinians deserve their own you know a, a autonomy. At the same time, you know it's it's a tough balance, and I you know it. I I saw some hope with Rabin. And Clinton and and Yasser Arafat, uh, you know, and there were joint patrols for a while with Israeli Palestinian, and then it fell apart. Uh, I think partly because Clinton was a you know a sitting duck is or, or a lame duck, and and so it sort of uh, un, unraveled. But so I see, you know, I see on our Facebook page, you know, the the Collinson posted, and you know, there's a little argument over Israel, and you know, and and, and people. Talking about the squad being anti-Semitic and stuff like that, and you know, I support you know some of the things the the squad you know sure uh, is doing, and I and, and I and I I certainly support their you know their their right to 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 oppose Israel or you know at least advocate on behalf of the Palestinians. I mean, the Palestinians need more you know advocates here in the U.S., but I certainly see you know that Israel is you know. Personally, I, I support Israel, and Israel is, you know, clearly our, our best ally in the Middle East, even if you take away any, any of the stuff there. Uh, it's complicated there. I, the only solution there, I always tell friends, you know, people who say, well, 
you know, uh, there should be a military solution. There is no military solution there. It is going to be, you know, a peaceful solution, and we have to get the right people in there. And, you know, Netanyahu is not the right guy in there. And, you know, and you can't negotiate with Hamas when Hamas says, when the starting point is we don't accept the existence sure. of Israel. And so it's very complex. And so I, 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 I have sympathy for both sides. And like I say, if I were Palestinian, I totally get the, the point of view there. So I don't, I don't begrudge people for having that, but it should be done in, 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 you know, in, a, in a civil way and in, in a way that moves the ball forward, that, that moves toward peace. And that doesn't, you know, what we have here is just, you know, some, some of it, you know, somebody wrote on our Facebook page and said, F, you know, yeah. F Israel. And it's like, okay, I, I, I get it. Not everybody's going to be supportive of Israel, but well, I, I know a lot of people that have no ill will towards the Jewish people, but do not like the Israeli government and their policies. I get it. Uh, and, and I don't agree versa. with all I the mean, Isra- exactly. I don't agree with all so, the but, Israeli but policies, can- but I don't agree with all the policies here in the U.S. either. Exactly, you know? and that's the whole point. That's I think that's the whole point is that you can be upset with policies, speak your mind, does not make you anti anything. It makes you looking for a better way. What you think is the better way for the country to go. Right. Uh, it does not mean you're not patriotic it doesn't mean you're anti-american right i mean it's important that's where it's, it's getting dangerous it's it's important that the lesson uh, that i learned growing up and you know is that you know being jewish shouldn't be a crime being jewish shouldn't be uh grounds to execute somebody and, and that goes for any group of people and that goes for the palestinian people that goes everybody has a right to be a human being and, and being treated like one and, and like I say, it gets dangerous. I mean, we've seen it even in Detroit where we had, you know, the Chaldeans started taking over, you know, the stores after, particularly after the Detroit riots, they started taking over mm-hmm. the party stores. And so the Chaldeans and the blacks looked at each other as less than human and they treated each other, you know, in some cases, not all, obviously, but sure. in some cases. And so there were shootings and there were, there were, there were a lot of problems until both sides realized, hey. And, you know, both sides tried harder. And, you know, the Chaldeans started sponsoring uh, baseball teams and started, you know, br- providing turkeys and, you know, stuff and, 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 and hiring some of the people in the community. And, and so I think they got to know each other and realized that, you know. So it's, it's, it's really about the, the dangers when we start to label and dehumanize. And that's what I, I, I fear is happening. I, I see it happening here. Well, Alan, I, I certainly appreciate your willingness to open up today. Uh, again, the story's on Deadline Detroit right now. Check it out today. Read it. Um, and if you get a chance to go to New York, apparently this is going to be there for a little while longer. I think through January. Through January. Uh, yeah. And um, who knows where it's going to travel next. But yeah. uh, maybe. I think it was in Spain before. And I'm not sure where. But yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great, It's they did a great job of uh, putting it together. And so. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Sure. And this is The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services.